are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. Episode 19 is all about art. I'm Sam Medore, overthinker extraordinaire. Power. Hey, Jen. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We were just talking before we started recording and I was giving you the heads up that I'm a little off. It's January. It's like winter blues time of year. So I'm struggling a bit today. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you doing mental health wise heading into, we're now in 2021. We're into January. How are you doing? I'm optimistic. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like this. I'm feeling okay. Um, I'm doing a lot of self-care and being very mindful about not dipping into self-destruction. So I'm maintaining okay right now and good. hope for the best. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've been pretty open about some of your mental health struggles and I think you and I both know that that just changes day to day. We mm-hmm. never quite know when the day starts, how it's going to end in terms of our, our mental health. So I like how you said you're optimistic because really is that not the best we can be right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> take it day by day. Yeah. That's all you can do. It's all you can do. Um, today we're going to talk about art. Um, and as with any of my podcast episodes, we start with one topic and it could branch off into a bunch of different other things, but you have really embraced art as a way to kind of cope with your mental well-being. Is it safe to say that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, I feel like I use it as, um, a therapeutic outlet in a way for sure. Um, and it's kind of just, uh, it's a constant, it's something that's always there and always available to me. And it's also really the only time that I can turn off my thinking brain. (sighs) And so it's kind of the only relief from being anxious and being in that state. Um, so it really is a saving grace, um, at most times for me, like I, I go through bouts of anxiety that can last months sometimes and yeah you know it's really hard to escape that yes but you are able to escape that when you're painting yeah most of the time yeah not all of the time but um you know if you can get into that creative flow get in the zone it's like um I'm just doing and I'm not thinking I'm thinking about what I'm doing and I'm not thinking about all of the other things that I'm anxious about so right it's definitely a, a tool. Yeah. Oh, that's so great because, and I often wondered that about, because I'm not an artist. I am nowhere near being an artist. So I've often wondered because I can imagine with being somebody, I'm a creative person because I write. So that's kind of where my creative outlet comes from. So I can compare it to that. But I've often wondered when you're an artist and you're using painting or drawing or whatever that is as your outlet how does your critical brain affect that? Like, how do you like, okay, I'm going to paint now because I need to get into a different headspace or whatever that is, whatever your motivation is. What if you don't like what you're creating? 
Does that, is that a good way to ask that question? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a challenge and it's a process. And yeah. I feel like the older I get and the more experience I get, the better at that I get too. Okay. Um, but I do have to be very conscious about that because I can be super critical of myself as most of us can be. Yeah. Um, and that translates into my artwork as well. So I think I, I, I'm getting better at what I do the longer I do it. But I also sometimes just have to set something aside and come back to it with fresh eyes later and just actively try to be very gentle with myself and respectful of myself, too. Um, And that's that's been a major part of my self-care shift over the last year is just um, just trying really hard to not self-destruct and engage in those type of behaviors so just being just having an awareness about that like this isn't going the way I hoped it would so I'm going to set it aside do something else for a while I'll come back to it when I'm feeling capable of approaching it in a different way and not beating yourself up for Mm -hmm. that dip in the process kind of thing what does self-destructive look like like what is that how do you know that you're heading into a self-destructive state or how do (laughs) It's pretty easy to tell when you're already there, I guess. But what does that look like for you? It's not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I can vouch for that. (laughs) It starts starts out, I think, for me, with a lot of negative self-talk. And that um, builds up into anxiety and binge-watching TV, drinking more than I should, um, mm-hmm. abandoning all of my self-care practices, and it's it's a slow and steady road straight down, basically. Yeah. And so I have to be definitely aware of that because it can happen pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting a little bit better at um, noticing the signs before they happen now, so that's definitely helpful. That's good. And I mean, that takes skill because if you think about, and I've talked about this on this podcast before, if you think about, you know, when you were younger and I look back a lot on some of my younger days, I mean like, oh my gosh, that's what was happening. You almost, you, because you didn't know it at the time, you didn't recognize it as something that you're still continuing to do now as an adult. For sure. Right? But mm-hmm. if I look back on it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a trigger that I just didn't ever recognize as as a trigger to my depression. Yeah, it's especially hard sometimes because um, I've learned that one of my coping mechanisms is to just distract myself from feeling my feelings. Mm. Um, so being super duper busy and having, I mean, like there was a time uh, like three years ago, I had four different part-time jobs and a toddler. <laughs> wow. But I was just very much in denial that I needed to yeah. process some things. And that's what that looks like for me is I start taking on wow. so many things and then I crash and burn, of course, because you can't maintain that. Or I can't, at least. Yeah. Um, and then you start <clears throat> feeling, it's actually helping you to, helping you, it's a terrible way of putting it, but helping you to justify why you feel bad in the first place mm-hmm. because if you're doing four part-time jobs and your mom at the same time, you're probably feeling bad that you're not pulling your weight in one or two of those areas, which then just makes the downward spiral even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. You just feel like you're in a pile of failure all the time. (laughs) Yeah. A pile of failure. (laughs) 
You know, and it's funny because I've said this about the pandemic um, as much as none of us wanted the world to basically crash and burn around us. It really has given us that time to sort of reflect on which of those pieces that, and I know this wasn't that recent, but if you had had those four four part-time jobs in March and they all of a sudden all went away, Mm -hmm. it would at least give you that opportunity to kind of reflect on which was working and which wasn't and, and kind of piece things back together. Yeah, and I did kind of experience that. I had two um, jobs at the time, and I was, you know, also doing my artwork and things, and and I did have to really take a hard look at, is this the way I want my life to be? And it also forced me to feel a whole lot of feelings that I was right. um, pushing away because I was home. And in part, that was why I, you know, really dove into my artwork because I need to give my brain a job. So it didn't kill me (laughs) because it was in overdrive um, and my anxiety was through the roof. And so I had to assign it a task and just dive into something to do because like I cleaned every inch of my house and I was, you know, doing all these projects and painting and like painting rooms. And I was, um, it was a little over the top, which actually reminds me of, um, my favorite quote that I've brought along. Ooh, yay. From this year. And it is, if you don't want to burn out, stop living like you're on fire. Oh, that is a really good quote. That, like, that sums up 2020 for me. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I've had to make a lot of changes, too. Because it it really hits home when you think, like, um, in terms of I'm doing all these things to distract myself from feeling. And it's like, of course... Of course, I feel like I'm on, or of course, I feel like I'm burning out because I am literally running around like I'm on fire. And that's just, that's not where I actually want to be. I really like that. The visual of fire, I think, is so, uh, it just really hits home, I think, when you use that in any kind of reference. Because if you picture yourself running around like you're on fire, that's a very strong visual. And I connected to that as soon as you said it. Mm-hmm. The thing that I find, again, just going back to the pandemic and being able to kind of take some time to regroup is, I mean, I look back and I think that's the only reason why I'm sitting here doing a podcast is because I finally, you know, shook myself out of putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and just doing it. And what I love is, because you share all of this on Instagram and uh, I was going to say Facebook, but mostly on Instagram how you've really do it, dove in, I was going to say, you've really dived. <laughs> What's the proper, I have no idea. Oh, I might just keep this in because <laughs> I was going to say I'll edit it out, but I really have no idea. Um, you've really taken a dive <laughs> into the process of painting and like honing your skills. So you were already amazing as an artist, but taking that opportunity to really dive in a little bit deeper, um, which I think is so cool. And would you have done that had you not had that time, I wonder? Oh, I don't think. I don't think I would have had the space to do that. So that's actually been really valuable because um, I kind of learned that I was a little more capable than I thought I was, maybe. And it wasn't... I, you know, I build things up as being so hard and difficult. And I think that's also part of my fear of failure 
Right. And not wanting to try something new in case I'm not good at it or in case I fail. And, um, yeah, I just was able to, because I had that space, I was like, well, if I don't, if it doesn't turn out, I don't have to show anybody. And <laughs> I'm in my own home and I can just do it in secret, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah, like, I guess I kind of underestimated myself and it worked out really well and it takes a lot of time and effort and experience and learning from other people, but it was possible and beneficial and now I have the opportunity to just continue to do that. So. Yeah, you've got the skills now or you've honed those skills even more. And how important is it for you to share that with people? Like is sharing it, because you do a great job in your Instagram stories or in your post to share those experiences of, you know, trying something new or um, taking on a new format or something with your, with your painting. How important is that to you to share that? Um, I don't know. I struggle a lot with what I should share on Mm -hmm. social media. Um, and I'm reluctant to get too, um, like, personal and down and dirty into, right. you know, the reasons why I do things, which, you know, maybe I need to explore that, but, um, I feel like it's important for me to share what I'm doing and share things that are important to me. And the way I get there is just relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going out of my way to try to help anybody or show anybody, but it's really just my own learning curve, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm glad people take the time to look at my art and I want to give them something to look at. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I try really hard not to overthink it because <laughs> I am really good at sitting there for three days overanalyzing what I should and should not write. So I try to keep it pretty short. You're in good company. <laughs> that makes you feel any better whatsoever. I feel like like it's that's everybody's experience on social media is like, you know, how much do you put out there and what do you show people? And while I, you know, I don't want to just, um, you know, I want to be able to show up authentically. Um, but it is, it's hard to kind of decide, you know, what to show and how much of yourself you're going to put out there. It's, you know, it feels vulnerable for me to be, you know, in an Instagram story, just talking directly to somebody. Mm -hmm which I love in other people's feeds. Like I love to see that. Yeah. Um, but it feels, it feels hard for me to, to show up and do that. So yeah. I feel like, um, I just need to take it day by day and see, you know, where my comfort zone is, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I, like you said, I mean, I think we're all doing that and I think we've been relying if it's possible even more on social media, I think in the last year, um, to kind of reach out to people and, and get support in a way from people too, whether we know them or not, um, finding that emotional support and how important is, I mean, this is kind of a silly question, but you talked about self-care. How important is your support system and self-care? Because I know that, for me anyway, it's everything, most days. How important is having a, a solid support system and, and having, even though it's self-care, I feel like we still need to rely on, on those supports. Definitely. I feel like um, without the supports that I have, I probably wouldn't do it as effectively as I am now. Like, my husband is great. Um he's a good support. And we also, when we shift things, 
um, we try to shift them together. So, right. you know, like he, he does yoga with me twice a day. And, oh, nice. Yeah. And we, you know, we stopped watching TV at night because it was affecting my sleep. So I'm sleeping so much better. And, you know, he's doing these things for himself too, but I find it so much easier to do it with somebody, especially oh, when yeah. it comes to things like, you know, I'm trying, um, not to drink alcohol during the week, yeah. especially during the pandemic. I was, I was pretty loose with regulating myself and yeah. I find that I can really quickly like, um, fall into self-destruct mode, especially when alcohol is involved. Yeah. So sometimes in order to change a behavior, I need to change a whole bunch of other things. Like if I'm going to do the same routine and cut something out, I'm probably going to end up going back to it. So Having support means everything, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think that I would be able to cope even without, like, my network of friends who I can just mm-hmm. be super honest with if I'm yep. having a rough time or whatever. I, You know, it is it is really important. Yes, agreed. And when you said that about uh, doing yoga, it's similar with me even. And it's, it sounds so simple, but going for a walk, like... Um, I I asked my husband to reframe how he asks me if I want to go for a walk. So rather than saying, do you want to go for a walk and giving me the option to say no, mm-hmm. he now says, let's go for a walk. And that sounds so silly, but it has really helped me to get off the couch and and have that accountability partner to to get out and be active, even if it is only for 30 minutes mm-hmm. a day. I think it's really important for us to be able to verbalize that too and ask yeah. people for that, you know, um, and that's... I needed a therapist to tell me that, by the way. <laughs> like, I didn't figure that out on my own. It was like, well, what if he framed it a different way, you know? Like, I... And you think, why didn't I think of that myself, you know? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I owe a lot of credit to my therapist who yes. has given me... Um, so many ideas on how I can change things around and reframe things to make it better. And it really, it's life-changing when you, even the smallest things can really make a big difference. You feel kind of silly because you're like, why did it take this external person to tell me how to communicate something so simple or whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is? But it really is so helpful to have that outside person kind of seeing things from a different, from a different angle. Yeah, I'm a huge, I kind of took a turn on in our conversation, but I'm a huge advocate for, for therapy oh, when so you're ready. I mean, you have to be in the right headspace and be ready, but 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, when do you turn to art? Do you make a conscious decision or is it just something that now is part of your day-to-day so it just becomes part of what's healing you? It's part of my day-to-day now. I definitely paint every single day. Um, and so I guess at this point it's kind of just integrated and it's something I look forward to in the past. It was something that I would go and purposefully do as like an outlet. Um, but yeah, now it's kind of more just a part of my life. And so I guess it kind of depends. I feel like if I need if I need space or I need an outlet, um, for something specific, like if I have anxiety over something, I try to do more journaling. Mm. Um, 
like, well, art kind of gives me the opportunity to get into that non-thinking brain. I definitely value um, activities that allow me to get the things out of my brain. That right. Are... That's that balance that you were talking about with distraction, right? Because it is really easy, and I, I'm glad you brought that up again because I, I had wanted to go back to that point about doing too much to distract yourself so that you're not feeling those feelings. So I like how you said you're journaling to kind of feel your feelings basically. And the art is something that you're doing to sort of get out of your head, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think my, my current routine, if I'm having a hard time, because sometimes I get um, anxiety and I'm, I'm not even really sure why, like I'm not sure what the source is. Right. And, um, so I guess, I guess you could call it meditation. I don't call it meditation because I feel like, I feel like a meditation failure. <laughs> like, I find meditation. That is not another thing we need to worry about failing at. <laughs> I just feel like, like, um, I've read and listened to so many things since. And it's like, you know, meditation does not have to be, you know, a certain way or whatever. But yeah. I feel like it's been such a source of frustration for me because I want so badly to be able to do it. And I just feel so frustrated that I can't. So I don't call it that. But what I do is I set a timer for 15 minutes and I just go in my room by myself and close the curtains and turn off the light. And I just sit with myself for 15 minutes. So there's no external output, no phone, no snacks, no anything to distract me. And I just sit with myself in quiet. No, it sounds like meditation. I think you're meditating. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like my... (laughs) purpose is to just notice the things that come up in my brain and then I journal about them so it's like I feel like giving myself that 15 minutes it just all of the things that are bothering me will just flood out in the silence and that sounds like mindfulness like taking Mm. those 15 minutes of mindfulness we talked I just had an episode uh this past week actually with uh with Tyler Simmons and we talked about mindfulness and just being able to recognize taking the time with the feelings that you're feeling or the thoughts that are popping into your head so that you can really dissect them and understand why you're feeling that way or why you're thinking those things. Yeah, I listened to that episode and he really nailed it when he was describing it. Yeah. That's great that you take the time to do that. Do you schedule that time or do you I was scheduling it. Um I guess I do kind of schedule it because I have to make sure that, you know, my son is occupied and he yeah. isn't going to interrupt me five times in that 15 minutes. Um so I kind of schedule it. I usually do it in the evening. But I don't have a set time or anything. I just take the same amount of time every day to do it. And I do do it every day now. That's um, awesome. It was kind of a learning process because I didn't I didn't know how to, to cope with my feelings and my anxiety for a long time. But this has made such a huge difference that I feel like if I just do it every day, it's like maintenance. Oh, I like that. Mind maintenance. Mind <laughs> maintenance. Yes. Yeah, you got to maintain your car. You've got to go to the doctor for checkups. So yeah, it's mind maintenance. I love that. Um, your son, I've seen him painting with you as well. How important has it been for you to kind of introduce him to that to your outlet? It's been fun. I I've tried really hard not to put a lot of pressure on him to do mm-hmm. that. Um, so it's always his choice if he wants to paint and. Sometimes he's really into it and sometimes he's not, but yeah. it is really fun to, to do it together and to have something that 
we can share like that. Yeah. And he's really into art. He's a self-proclaimed art collector. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. How old is he? He's seven. Yes. He just recently bought a, a tiny little painting from uh, Rose and Poppy. Oh, yes. And it's a little koala, and he loves it. She has the cutest, I swear. I don't mm. know where she gets the the impulse to paint those tiny little guys, but they're so sweet. I love them. Yeah. yeah. And you, I have one more question for you, Jen, is teaching is a huge part of what I know you for as an artist, because I know you were teaching lots of classes through Enchanted Forest, which of course is not... Um, not there anymore but how are you still able to teach right now or are you I'm not at all um I am going to be doing a live painting session for um, the community health board through recreation Nova Scotia um, in February Um, but other than that I haven't really been doing any any sort of workshops at all Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's okay right now I feel like I'm focusing kind of more on you know just doing my own artwork and commission pieces for people mm-hmm. which is really special like mm-hmm. that's kind of um that's kind of more what brings me joy mm-hmm. anyway so yes. I feel like that's kind of the direction I'd rather go. I can imagine like I just think and and you worked on obviously a, a painting of my mom's view at her her lake view that she loved so much and to be able to capture that in a painting and to be able to look to that um to kind of feel what she loved is just so important for me and my family so I can see how that being a part of that for somebody and uh would be really really special it really is it's it's such a privilege and it feels so intimate to Mm -hmm. kind of be invited into that yeah um Glennon Doyle talks about that in one of her books Um, she's talking about a photographer and she says that um she builds bridges into people's hearts Oh. And that's kind of what it's like, you know, yeah. to like to make something that memorializes something or someone. And, yeah. you know, it just it is a really special feeling to have the opportunity and the privilege to do that for somebody. Totally. So I feel like I would definitely love to do more of that. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks again to my pal, Jen Power, for overthinking with me about art. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week.